Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. As Christians, we know it's not possible to cancel out sins by doing good deeds. No matter how many good deeds you do, if you sin, you remain guilty of that sin and until you're forgiven. But what about in the other direction? If you do something pleasing to God, but then you sin against God, does that sin cancel out the thing you did that was pleasing to God? We've seen the patience of the farmer, and we've seen the perseverance of the prophets. Now he's going to give us one more example, verse 11, the perseverance of Job. You've heard of Job's perseverance. Now, if you've read the book of Job, you know his perseverance was less than perfect, right? It was messy. He complains. He curses the day of his birth. He gets upset with his friends. He even questions the justice of God at some points. even got to the point where God steps in and harshly rebukes Job for his complaining. But even though Job's perseverance wasn't perfect, it was still perseverance. It really was. Because all, through all the horrific suffering and just terrible pain and loss, Job remained unswervingly loyal to God, didn't he? And when all those horrors first happened to him, this was his immediate reaction. Listen to this, Job 121. Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I will depart. The Lord is given, the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That was his first knee-jerk reaction. And when his wife gave up hope and told him to do the same, just curse God and die, Job 2.10, you are, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In chapter 13, verse 15, he said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I think I have these for you. Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Job 16.19, Even though my witness is in heaven, my advocate is on high. My intercessor is my friend as my eyes pour out tears to God. On behalf of a man, he pleads with God as a man pleads for his friend. And then in chapter 19, verse 25, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end, he will stand upon the earth and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. There are moments when Job foolishly questioned God's justice or God's goodness uh, and, and he got rebuked for that. But, but even in those times, he never got angry at God and he, he never became embittered towards God. He never stopped looking to God as the only solution to his problem. He never looked to any other solution. And as a result, Job goes down in history as being the supreme example of perseverance and suffering. I love it that, that there's no asterisk here, don't you? I mean, there's no... I love it that James doesn't put in a footnote saying, well, of course, James really blew it. We know he did this bad and that, and he stumbled in certain aspects of patience. And he, No mention of that at all. It's just like back in chapter 2 when Abraham was used as an example of faith. Abraham stumbled in his faith, didn't he? I mean, let's admit it. He, he slept with Hagar because he didn't trust God enough to fulfill the promise through his own wife. He lied about Sarah twice because he didn't trust God enough to protect him. He failed to trust God. And yet, because of the faith he showed when it came to the situation with Isaac, 
He's held up in Scripture as a supreme example of faith. See, God will deal with us for our lapses in faith, but he doesn't let those cancel out the true expressions of faith in our lives. Isn't that amazing? Just as you can't cancel out your sins with good deeds, so you can't cancel out the good deeds with sins. God keeps them separate. Uh, Manton, the commentator Manton, said this, Where the bent of the heart is right, the infirmities of God's people are not mentioned. Where God sees grace, he hides his eyes, as it were, from those circumstances that might seem to deface the glory of it. So in what Sarah says, through the whole sentence, though the whole sentence is full of distrust and unbelief, God takes notice of her uh, reverence to her husband, and she called Abraham master in 1 Peter 3, 6. Everything she's saying in, in that, that quotation in 1 Peter 3, 6 is a lack of faith, except the one thing she does right is she calls her husband master, and then she's held up as a good example. Some of you think that, that all God sees when he looks at you is your failures. And that that just eclipses everything else. That's all he sees. And in reality, God is taking delight in the graces that the Holy Spirit is putting in your life. He, he loves it. God is gracious, isn't he? And that's the conclusion that James draws from the account of Job. Look again at verse 11. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about, that the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Do you get down on yourself a lot? Always beating yourself up over your failures? If so, let me ask you this. Do you put just as much energy into celebrating victories? All the evidences of the work of the Holy Spirit in your character? If not, why? Why would you make more of your failures than your victories? In some cases, it's because we have such a high view of ourselves that we think the victories are just the norm, and we take those for granted, but the failures are anomalies that get us all upset because we can't accept the idea that we're really that bad. But if you think biblically... Our failures are the norm. That's who we naturally are. And the victories are the work of God in us. We should give those, the victories, at least as much attention as we give to our failings. It's so important that our conception of God, what God is like, it's so important that that be accurate so we can imitate him. If you imagine God to be impossible to please, not only does that dishonor him, but it gives you the wrong example to follow. What is God really like? Is he hard to please or easy to please? Think of all the things he says he will reward. For example, Jesus said in Matthew 6 that the Father will reward you for every time you go into your room, close the door, and pray in secret. I mean, you just go to God and ask him for something, and he'll reward you for doing that. And countless other things God promises to reward. Every one of those teaches us something about how easily pleased God is. Every time you do something God says he will reward, that's a victory that should be celebrated. As you go through your day today, let every single godly thing you do or think or feel, no matter how small, let it reshape your concept of how easily pleased God is when you think about him taking delight in you in response to those things. Let's pray. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. 
praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The one who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Oh, who am I, Father, that you would crown me with your love and your compassion? Who am I that you would crown me with anything? It is you who satisfies my desires with good things, so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. You are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. You will not always accuse, nor will you harbor your anger forever. You don't treat me as my sins deserve or repay me according to my iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is your love for those who fear you. As far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed my transgressions from me. As a father has compassion on his children, so you, Lord, have compassion on those who fear you. For you know how I'm formed. You remember that I'm dust. Your expectations of me take into consideration my weaknesses. Thank you, Father, for placing within my reach that which I can do to bring a smile to your face. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.